Hi everyone, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. Happy first week of autumn for all of you living in the Northern Hemisphere, and happy spring for anyone in the Southern Hemisphere. The fall is my favorite season. I hate the heat and humidity of the summer. Give me cool, crisp mornings that require a coat and afternoons where I can just wear a shirt. We're getting into prime dog-walking weather around here. But you guys aren't here to listen to me talk about the seasons. We're here to talk about Star Wars Legends. Today's show will be another one-off book, Tatooine Ghost by Troy Denning. And for those of you with the trade paperback copy of the book, Tatooine Ghost comes with a Chewbacca short story, A Forest Apart, also by Troy Denning, in the back. Before I get into Tatooine Ghost, I want to thank all of you that took the time to send some nice words for the short pop-up episode last week about whether or not we're going to see more legend stories coming into canon. But I purposely did not talk about Star Wars Visions on that show, which was released this past week on Disney+. For those of you that don't know, Visions is a series of nine anime shorts from some big Japanese anime studios set in the Star Wars universe. Now, according to Lucasfilm, the stories are not canon. So would it be fair for me to consider these shorts as new entries into the Legends timeline? Well, probably not, but I like to think of them that way. Now, I've already watched all nine episodes, and I liked all of them. My favorite was The Village Bride. I won't spoil any of them for you guys, but as far as The Village Bride goes, for me, it has all the heart and themes people expect from Star Wars. I also really like the episode The Duel, which will be getting a supporting book published in mid-October. Again, Lucasfilm says that book, titled Ronin, will not be canon. But something tells me that if the Vision stories are as popular as I think they're going to be, that some of these stories or characters may be referenced in canon in the future, almost like they're myths or historical events. In other words, legends. Now, instead of taking a listener question this week, let me ask one to you. Have you watched Visions? Did you enjoy the stories? Did some not work for you? Why? Are these the kind of stories that you'd like to see more of in the future? Please send me your responses or any questions. You can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at legendslounge1. I love the questions I've received over the last couple weeks and I'll get back to answering those in the next episode. But now, let's get into today's story. Tatooine Ghost with the short story, A Forest Apart, both by Troy Denning. Grab yourself a drink. Let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. This episode's plot synopsis is going to be a little shorter than normal, because I really want to talk about the themes in this book in the second half of the show. Tatooine Ghost, in my opinion, is often overlooked in the Legends catalog. A Forest Apart precedes Tatooine Ghost in the Legends timeline. 
It features Chewbacca, his wife, Malatabuk, and his son, Lumpawawump. The Wookiees are in the Solar's apartment on Coruscant when Lumpy catches a burglar trying to steal one of Leia's data pads. Lumpy chases after the thief into Coruscant's underworld with Chewie and Mala in hot pursuit. But Lumpy gets ambushed by the thief's cohorts and is kidnapped, shoved into a speeder. Chewie and Mala find another speeder and chase the kidnappers to a secret Imperial detention center. The Wookiee parents rescue Lumpy, but Mala is taken and held by a group led by an advanced Imperial interrogation droid. Chewie and Lumpy save Mala and destroy the droid, recovering Leia's data pad. The Wookiees learn the droid was intending to use the data pad for information in a plot to assassinate several New Republic leaders, Chewie notifies New Republic security, protecting the officials. Tatooine Ghost begins a few months later. Han and Leia are married. They're returning home to Coruscant following their honeymoon. Along the way, Leia is tasked for a mission by the New Republic Council to recover a priceless piece of Alderanian artwork called Killick Twilight, a small moss painting showing an ancient Alderanian race about to face the ominous dangers of their future. But Leia and the New Republic Command don't only want the painting because it's a priceless Alderanian artifact. Hidden in the painting is a cipher to the Republic's shadow-cast network of spies. If the Imperial Remnant gets its hands on the cipher, it would be able to take out the Republic spy network. Killick Twilight is being held for black market auction in Moss Espa on Tatooine. On approach to the planet, the Millennium Falcon is hailed by an Imperial Star Destroyer, the Chimera, under the control of Admiral Jalad Pelion. A dogfight ensues, but the Falcon is able to avoid a squad of TIE fighters and safely land on the planet. Han and Leia are able to find the auction house in Moss Espa under the disguise of a Deveronian trader and his Twi'lek partner. Now, much to their dismay, the Empire is already there, also ready to bid on the painting. Before the bidding starts, the auction house allows everyone a few hours to look over and examine the lots. One lot catches Leia's eye. It's a small hollow image of a human boy celebrating with his friends and fans in front of an old pod racer. When Han asks the seller about the image, the man tells him it's a photo of the only human to win the Boonta Eve pod race. Han scoffs. A human could never win a pod race, especially a child. Human reflexes are too slow. But the man insists. The boy's name was Anakin Skywalker. The name shocks Leia. She asks the man his name. It's Kitster Benai, Anakin's best friend. And the photo commemorates the day Anakin won his freedom from slavery. Leia is floored. Her father, the monster she knew as Darth Vader, was once this happy, blue-eyed boy and a slave. Now eventually, the auction begins with the cheaper lots going first, including the picture of Anakin. As Leia waits for Killick Twilight to hit the stage, Han becomes cautious. With the Empire around, it's probably not a good idea to draw attention to themselves by bidding on something they know is going to go for a fortune. Han enlists the help of a trio of squibs, short rat-like aliens known for trading and haggling. 
Leia approves the squibs to go as high as 15 million credits to purchase the painting. When the auction begins, it becomes obvious the winning bid will come from either the squibs or the Imperials. Finally, the squibs give the winning bid, but the Imperials have had enough. If they can't have Killick Twilight, no one can. A fight breaks out as Imperial forces rush the stage to try to steal the painting. In the chaos, Kitster grabs Killick Twilight and flees. Han and Leia follow the Imperials as they search Moss Espa, eventually leading to Kitster's home on the outskirts of the city. When the stormtroopers leave the home, the Solos enter and find Kitster's wife Tamora and their two children. Tamora tells Leia that Kitster and Anakin were best friends growing up. Anakin winning the Boonta Eve pod race wasn't only a victory for him, but one for all of the slaves of Mos Espa. Anakin had won his freedom, and that got Kitster dreaming of winning his, too. Tamora says that Anakin even sent Kitster some money a few years later that her husband used to buy a book on manners and etiquette. Kitster used the skills he learned from that book to work his way up through the ranks at the Renandala estate in Mos Espa, eventually becoming the major domo for the family. After years of servitude, Kitster was able to save enough money to purchase his own freedom, all because of his friend, Anakin Skywalker. When Leia asks Tamora what Kitster and everyone else in Mos Espa think about what happened to Anakin, becoming the evil Darth Vader and helping to enslave the galaxy, Tamora is incredulous. We've all heard the rumors, she said, but that's all they are. The sweet boy they knew as Anakin could never have become Vader. It's a myth, she says. Anakin died during the purge with the other Jedi. When Leia asks what Kitster did with Killick Twilight, Tamora says he couldn't allow the Empire to have one of the last artifacts from Alderaan. He fled on a speeder into the desert, possibly to the old Lars homestead out near the southern edge of the Jundland Wastes, now owned by Gavin Darklighter's family. The Solos find the Darklighters at the moisture farm, but Gavin's father, Jula, says they haven't seen Kitster or the Imperials, but he'll help the Solos with their search the next morning. After dinner that night, Leia talks with Gavin's mother, Celia, who tells Leia some of the history of the property. She's Baru Lars's younger sister. She even met Luke a few times when he was a little boy. Leia tells Celia about the hologram of Anakin, and while Celia says she never met him, she knows Baru did once. It was after Anakin's mother had been taken by Tusken Raiders. He returned to Tatooine and recovered her body, burying it on the outskirts of the moisture farm. When Leia asks where, Celia tells her she doesn't know. The grave markers were removed shortly after Baru's father-in-law, Klieg Lars, was buried also. But Celia says she did find something in the old garage when they were cleaning it out, buried behind a junk moisture evaporator. A hollow journal that Shmee Skywalker made in case she ever saw her son again. Leia can't believe it. A hollow journal of her grandmother Shmee, a woman she never knew. As they search for Kitster the next day, Leia listens to messages from the hollow journal. The years have corrupted many of the files, but still, she sees the gentle, weather-beaten face of her grandmother, the mother of Darth Vader, and hears the woman's sweet voice talking to her son, Annie, 
telling him she's proud of him, becoming a Jedi, and helping people in need throughout the galaxy. Shmi talks about her days with Watto. The old junk dealer apparently grew depressed without Anakin running around the store fixing things. She also talks about meeting a nice man named Kleeg, a farmer that lived south of Mos Espa, but who kept coming to the store to buy stuff. But really, Shmi knows it's so he could talk to her. Kleeg brings his son with him sometimes, and Shmi wonders if Anakin is growing healthy and strong like Owen. She thinks they'd be good friends. One time, Kleeg even brings Shmi a gift, a bottle of wine that she sneaks back to her hut and enjoys with dinner. Leia is enraptured by the Hollow Journal and speeds through the entries and the years. Soon, Kleeg talks Watto into selling Shmi to him, and when he does, Kleeg frees her, proposing marriage. The last few entries detail Shmi's life on the Lars Moisture Farm with Kleeg and Owen and Owen's fiance, a nice girl named Baru Whitesun. It's an emotional journey for Leia, seeing and hearing her grandmother. She wonders if Luke ever knew Anakin's mother and vows to show him the hollow journal when she returns to Coruscant. But before she can do that, she has to find Kitster and Killick Twilight, or at least keep the Imperials from finding it. The search party finds Kitster's speeder abandoned near the edge of the Dune Sea next to some tracks made by a Jawa sandcrawler. Kitster must have taken refuge with the Jawas, Jula says. If they find the sandcrawler, they'll find Kitster. But the search doesn't end well. Soon, the party finds the remains of the sandcrawler destroyed by blaster fire, the corpses of Jawas strewn about. But there are also others, stormtrooper bodies, lying next to the Jawas. Jula concludes that the Empire must have stopped the sandcrawler and attacked the Jawas looking for Kitster. But the stormtroopers were ambushed by sand people who then fled out into the Dune Sea. Jula says Kitster is probably dead, but if he's alive, the only place the sand people might have taken him is to a nearby holy place in the Valley of the Spirits, a ruined village the Tuscans say is haunted by an angry ghost, a place the Tuscans make sacrifices to satisfy the ghost, warding it off from invading their settlements. Jula won't take the Solos any farther. He won't risk his family around the sand people. So Han and Leia decide to head off to the village, sending Chewbacca and C-3PO back to Mos Espa to get the Falcon. Disguised as stormtroopers, the Solos sneak past an Imperial checkpoint at a rocky cliff above the ruins. As they advance towards the village, the Imperials discover they've been tricked and give chase down the dunes. A firefight ensues between the Imperials and the Tuscans with Han and Leia caught in between. But the two use the diversion to make it to the ruins and find Kitster bound and tortured, but alive, with Killick Twilight. They free Kitster, take the moss painting, and the three escape when Chewie arrives with the Falcon. The story ends with Leia destroying the cipher hidden in the painting and then leaving Killick Twilight for the Empire to discover. Time for a break. When we return, I'll talk more about Tatooine Ghost by Troy Denning, focusing on the themes that really resonated with me and Leia's journey in Legends coming to terms with her Skywalker lineage. I'm Aaron Motes. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But let me take a moment and recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Lost Stars tells the story of star-crossed lovers Thane Kirill and Sienna Ree, childhood friends who escape their backwater world for the Imperial Academy on Coruscant. Soon, the two clash over the Empire's actions, and one joins the Rebellion. See the major events of the Galactic Civil War as they rise through the ranks while maintaining a clandestine love affair. It's a story of love, conflict, friendship, and heartbreak. That's Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today I'm talking about Tatooine Ghost by Troy Denning, a story about Princess Leia discovering her family's past and coming to terms with her future. Tatooine Ghost is one of the lost gems of the Legends timeline, in my opinion. I really enjoy this book. Does it have the best plot in the world? No. The story of Han and Leia trying to recover this painting while being chased by the Empire, it's okay. It's got some action-adventure in it that, if people like that kind of thing, will hold their interest for a while. But honestly, that's not the purpose of this book. The purpose of this book is to deepen the relationship between Leia and Anakin Skywalker. And not only that, between Leia and the Force. You know, one of the things in the Legends timeline, particularly early on, after the events of Return of the Jedi, is how vehemently Leia is opposed to Luke trying to explain that their father turned back to the light at the end. Not that Luke is saying that Anakin Skywalker was somehow redeemed, because even Luke knows there's really no redemption for someone that oversaw the amount of atrocities that Anakin slash Vader committed to the galaxy. But in the books that take place shortly after Return of the Jedi, every time Luke tries to bring the memory of their father up, Leia just shoots him down. She does not want to hear about it. And you completely understand why. Vader tortured Leia. Vader held on to Leia, forcing her to watch when Tarkin gave the order to destroy Alderaan, destroying her home and her family. Vader chased Han and Leia throughout parts of the galaxy before eventually capturing them in Cloud City and then tortured Han, encasing him in carbonite, giving him to a bounty hunter. It's completely understandable why Leia wouldn't want to hear anything from Luke that would portray any part of Anakin Skywalker in a good light. And that's what I really like about this book. I think that Leia can only hear these types of stories from people other than Luke. Luke's family. Anakin's family. This is personal. These things are too close to Leia. Now, the events of 
Tatooine Ghost take place about four years, four and a half years after Return of the Jedi. So there has been some time since Anakin Skywalker's death. And what's happened during this time? The New Republic has been founded. They've taken Coruscant from the hands of the Imperial Remnant. Han and Leia were married following the proposed arranged marriage by Leia to a prince from the Hapes Cluster. And Warlord Zinj and Asane Eisheart have been defeated. So there is a slight lull in the amount of conflict in the galaxy prior to Grand Admiral Thrawn coming on the scene. Now that Leia is not preoccupied with destroying the Empire, she's got a little bit of time, and the Force starts to speak to her. Now, she's understandably afraid of some of the Force visions that she gets. A lot of them surround Luke, herself, and Darth Vader. Leia has told Han that she does not want to have children because of her family lineage, that the Force is so strong in their family that any children they have could be influenced by the dark side of the Force the way that her father was. But still, the Force nudges Leia throughout this book. She's compelled to look at this hollow image in the auction house. She and Han weren't even in line in front of that hollow, but something compelled her to go over and look at it. When she and Chewie are out in a sandstorm looking for a place to take shelter on their way to the Darklighter farm, something tells her to go a certain way, and eventually they do find the Darklighters. So she recognizes that the Force is having an influence on her, but still she has all these bad experiences with Darth Vader that she needs to believe that he was always evil. Now, running into some of Anakin Skywalker's old friends in Mos Espa paint a different picture. The young boy that won the Boonta Eve pod race to help a Jedi and thus win his freedom. It's a story that Leia's never heard before. It's a story that Luke probably has never heard before. Hearing Anakin's old friends in Mos Espa just refuse to believe the story that the boy they grew up with became one of the most reviled people in the galaxy, takes Leia off guard. Here we have a group of people that choose to remember the good times with Anakin Skywalker. There's no way he could become Darth Vader. Little Annie, the kid who helped everyone, who made a droid to help his mother at home, who helped a Jedi Knight in need. That little boy could never grow up to be someone as vile as Darth Vader. And then, of course, to find the Hollow Journal and listen to the entries from Shmi Skywalker. I mean, there are a lot of entries that Leia listens to in this book. I couldn't go through all of them in the synopsis. That would just be me reading the book. There's just something so endearing about the entries. Most of them are just Shmi's daily activities, working at the junk dealership with Watto, basically becoming Watto's only friend after Anakin leaves with Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Leia thinks it's weird that Shmi has an affection for Watto, that Shmi almost feels sorry for how depressed Watto gets 
in the years following Anakin's departure. But the Hollow Journal just shows this kind-hearted, middle-aged woman who just wants everyone around her to be happy. And she wants her son to fulfill all of his dreams. No matter what the hollow entry is, at the end of each one, she has a little message for Annie that she hopes he's becoming a great Jedi and fulfilling all of his hopes and dreams. It really is touching. It touches the reader. It touches Leia. And then at the end, when they go to the ruins of the Tuscan camp, the holy place that the Tuscans say is haunted by an angry spirit, we know what that angry ghost is. We know what ruined camp this is. This is the camp of the Tuscans that kidnapped Shmi Skywalker, the angry ghost being 19-year-old Anakin, freeing his mother and slaughtering all of the Tuscans in the camp. As he says, the men, the women, the children, they're animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. When Han and Leia arrive in the camp and find Kitster, the Force speaks to Leia again. She can feel the pain of what Anakin's done. She knows exactly where she is. She even tells Han, this is where Shmi was taken. This is where Anakin found her. It's kind of jarring. The reader knows what they're talking about. But for Leia to figure it out, for Leia to feel her father freeing her grandmother, but taking vengeance on the Tuscans that had kidnapped her to begin with, it's pretty jarring when you read it. So finally, at the end of the book, Leia comes to terms. Well, I don't know if she completely comes to terms, but she comes to terms somewhat over her Skywalker lineage. And the debate that Han and Leia were having throughout the book over whether or not they were going to have children, Leia finally tells Han that she's willing to have a serious discussion about it again. And we learn later on, of course, that they do. In the Legends timeline, they have three children. All in all, this is not the most exciting story in the Legends timeline. There's not a whole lot that happens. It takes place over about three days, four days. It's basically just a contained set piece. But in my opinion, it's one of the deeper Legends stories. And as I say all the time, the later stories in Legends are deeper. I'm not saying that the earlier stories aren't fun. In fact, some of my favorite stories are the earlier stories in Legends. But I think a lot of the later stories that were published are deeper. The later stories, in my opinion, talk about the Force in a more consistent way with the way George Lucas envisioned the Force. And you see that in this book. This book was published in 2003, so it was just after Attack of the Clones, but before Revenge of the Sith came out. In an author interview in the back of the book, Troy Denning says that he knew nothing about Revenge of the Sith. He never saw a script, never talked to anyone at Lucasfilm about it, never talked to anyone at Lucasfilm Publishing about it. So he had to make sure that everything he wrote about only went up through the events of Attack of the Clones so as to not conflict with anything that happens in Revenge of the Sith. And he does a good job. 
There's only one minor detail in the book that I saw that isn't really a conflict, but it's one of those things where the Legends timeline doesn't match up exactly with the events of canon. So the book takes place four and a half years after the events of Return of the Jedi. But the characters in the book talk about the Boom to Eve pod race taking place about 40 years ago. That doesn't exactly line up with the timeline of the movies. It's off by about seven or eight years, maybe 10, depending on when in Legends the Boon to Eve pod race takes place. But that's the only thing that I noticed in the book that doesn't quite match up with the films. So let me wrap up. The best part of this book is not the plot. The best part of this book is Leia looking back through history and thinking about her father in a different way through the eyes of his childhood friends and the hollow journal of a grandmother that she never knew. I'm hopeful someday that Luke and Leia will learn about their mother Padme and their grandmother Shmi. I know one thing people are hoping to see in the future somewhere is a discussion between Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano where Luke tells Ahsoka about Anakin's last moments. I would like to see a meeting between both Skywalker twins and Ahsoka Tano where not only does Luke tell Ahsoka about Anakin turning to the light at the end of his life and killing the Emperor, but where Ahsoka tells the twins stories about Anakin in his younger days, stories about their mother Padme, who she knew and was friends with. I would also like to see the Skywalkers go to Naboo. Do we know if any of Padme's relatives are still alive? Her parents might be pretty old, but they could still be alive. Her sister could still be alive. Padme has a couple nieces. They would be about the same age as the Skywalkers. I would just like to see Luke and Leia learn more about their family history than just Anakin Skywalker. Maybe that wouldn't even include Shmi at some point, although I think that would be more difficult. But here's hoping. Anyway, it's time to wrap up this episode. On the next Star Wars Legends Lounge, it'll be another first for me. Scourge by Jeff Grubb. It's a book that takes place after the formation of Luke's Jedi Academy on Yavin 4 and is based on one of the adventures from the Star Wars role-playing game for those of you that have ever played the RPG. So that should be fun. Until then, if you'd like to get in contact with me, please email the show at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Ask me a question or send a message. I'd really love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. Remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends. <laughs>